वेलकम टू वॉइस फॉर लोकल और मैं हुमानिशा सिंह कटियार माई गेस्ट टूडे इज अ को फाउंडर ऑफ अ ब्रांड दैट्स इंडिया फर्स्ट मीडरी वाइल यू रेस योर बॉटल्स टू डू चर्स लेट मी इंट्रोड्यूस यू टू नितिन विश्वास योर को फाउंडर ऑफ मून शाइन मीडरी वेलकम नितिन इट्स अ प्लेजर टू हैव यू ऑन द शो टूडे Nitin thank you so much I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you thank you for being a part of voices for local thank you so much for having me I wish Rohan was here I know I was looking forward to that conversation I believe he's got pulled into something yeah. but I want to know from both of you and this is what you need to answer when was the first time that both of you tasted your first meat and how did you from reading an article in an in-flight magazine how did that process actually start tell me that So for us, it was the discovery about what mead is, right? So mead comes from a Latin word called medu, which comes okay. from the Sanskrit word madhu. So words like madhira and madhushala, if you notice, the first words are mad, right? Right. Uh, this is essentially the oldest alcohol known to our civilization. It's the oldest alcohol known to any other civilization. And both right. Rohan and I are history buffs. So what happened was uh, we I read about meads. It was interesting. I took a bunch of pictures of the article. Sent it down to Rohan, and I think by the time I was coming back, Rohan had already started a batch. Wow! Saying you know, I've just used some online resources to figure out how to make it, hmm. and uh, it sounded interesting. So here it is. So came back, and I think the first few meats that we ever tried in our lives were our own. So right. So we had no, we had no baseline, absolutely no baseline. But you know the two of you have been best friends for over decades. Your dads have been friends. You've gone to the same school. But now at Moonshine, while Rohan uh, predominantly handles the making, and you yeah. focus on business, finance, the other aspects, I always feel when two people are working together, even if it's best friends, couples. I want to know what is the working relationship like, and how do you often overcome some disagreements? Oh, we fight. We fight on everything, even today. While we come from similar backgrounds, we both think very differently. I think okay. the summation of our experiences at work have pretty much defined the way we are today. For me, it's uh, for me. I'm chasing numbers, right? And I can get rather sucked into a very dangerous spiral at times when it comes to anything to do with the brand or the product. Rohan, on the other hand. has a very very strong eye on quality and for him sales is not the reason why he will compromise on quality and what happens is because of these two reasons we find ourselves at loggerheads on many topics we've started to realize that each of us brings a certain element uh, to the brand which is important I and mean, then we cannot lose sight of the numbers but neither can we lose sight of the fact that the product needs to be top notch because while the first part of marketing looks after ensuring the product is on the table the second part of marketing starts after you open the bottle and taste it and that's what brings Correct. back the customers so we realize that at the end of the day our goals are the same the team has taken a little getting used to our quarrels because there are times when we have stormed out of the room after having a discussion right and the team initially used to be very shocked now they're just sort of they're quarreling they'll they figure this shit out but i think what what we have realized is a couple of tenets from my consulting days right agree to disagree and uh, even if you disagree commit if the greater a uh, larger team there's a lot of majority wins that we play with so if the larger majority is ready to do a certain thing then it it stops becoming his or my idea right is the team's idea right. at the end of the day 
and we will disagree, but we'll commit and we have a very clear policy of I told you so doesn't exist. So if you fail, the team has failed in a certain decision and then you sort of find a way to fix it again. It's institutional memory. You don't make this mistake again, but no one person can come back and say, hey, I told you, you could have done that. That's not allowed. And these are little right. tenets of consulting that I have experienced in my background with sort of, a, we plugged it in and it resonated with Rohan as well. No, I think it's a lovely idea when you say that it's a team decision. You know, any idea is always an individual's idea, but as long as it has a team buy-in, I think yes. it just leads to a more productive approach to getting things done. Yeah, yeah, very true. You know, you faced multiple challenges over the course of your journey as an entrepreneur, like all entrepreneurs do. The earliest being that um, mead was not even recognized as an alcoholic beverage. Yes. And you had to find a category working very closely with the excise department and had to create an all new category for it. Yes. And it took, I believe, almost two years to receive the license. Yes and yes. get into commercial production. Yes. Uh, one of the other challenges that you guys faced was the issue with your branding. Yeah. And I want you to tell me how and what did these challenges leave you with as a learning experience as your journey as an entrepreneur? I think what we realized very quickly is uh, patience is the name of the game, especially in the sector that we've chosen, right? But what we've also realized is that uh, people are there to help if you ask for it. If you behave right. gung-ho about it and just walk in, like I remember our first discussion with the excise officer and the excise SP in Pune saying that, you know, we want to make this new category. It's called mead. And he looked at us and said, mead kya hai? And then this whole conversation around mead started. And then he said, iska approval nahi hai. Now we had two approaches from there, right? One is ki, uh, tell us what to do or say, okay, we'll figure it out on our own. We went completely with open hands. We said, listen, we don't come from this industry. There is a product. There is a category we believe should be there in India. Uh, there are tribal areas of India that have been making meats for centuries together and even today. So while we are the first commercial meadery and there are folks in Jharkhand, there are folks in Chhattisgarh, all these little tribal belts, Kork as well, you will see meats being formed. So we explained that to them and they, we said, tell us how to go about it. So for a second, they were taken aback. They said, Baat kar lo so it's like, we don't know. It was absolutely open hands, tell us what we need to do. And the second they realize that you're being genuine about it, it's astonishing how much they start to help you. We give a lot of credit to the state. Everybody talks about the state governments being hard to work with. I don't believe that is true. If you can go and talk to the right set of people. Luckily, we had two other girls who wanted to set up a meetry as well. So we worked together on this, in fact. They helped get the appointment. We made the pitch deck. We went and sat together in the excise office in front of the minister. And it was surprising. Nobody looked at the deck at all. I mean, we started and they were happy enough to sort of tell us what should be done. They said, this is a great category. This is a type of wine, which the state of Maharashtra is very progressive when it comes to looking at wines. So we will give you the permissions. There was a certain amount of humility you need to show as an entrepreneur. And if you show that, you'll find the world sort of conniving to make it happen. I think as co-founders, the two of us, what we did was we went through our rough patches. I mean, it was not all rainbows and blue skies. We did have stages like Rohan was the guy who quit everything to set up the earlier stages of Moonshine. I stayed hmm. back. I was married with a kid. So EMIs galore, middle class, uh, you know, you had to go buy yourself a house. And then suddenly these EMIs right. prevent you from leaving. So Rohan took the plunge. Yes. He wasn't married at that point. And he sat outside excise offices for a long time to get these approvals done. And it is sometimes very 
you know, days go by when nothing has happened, right? Yes. And it's not easy to keep yourself motivated. So I think those are the times when we realized that the only sort of support system we had was each other in those stages of our lives. And keeping each other motivated was important. There were stages when I was deciding to put in my papers and that happened, no one nudged me into it, right? But after we put in, I used to have panic attacks in the night saying, how the hell will I manage? Because this, you know, salary is yes. a bad habit that somebody cultivates. I think it's also a lot to do with conditioning. Yes. If you've grown up in a certain environment where you've seen your family members, yeah. getting that monthly income come yeah. in, it's very difficult to break that conditioning and say, it's okay, we'll make it happen. Because I do understand, and this is something I think you've given me such a nice insight, because most people, I think always at some stage, especially if they've reached mid-level seniority in a company, or rather in the 30s and 40s, always think 10 times, even if they have a brilliant idea, to karein ki nahi karein. Yeah, it was exactly that. Yeah, and it is not an easy decision to make. I think when people like you can do it, I think you're also very inspiring for my listeners because you see, this is a challenge. I think everybody in that precarious position of, you know, having a great idea, but can't leave faces. But here's a fun part. You know how Rohan made me leave? How? One fine morning on my drive from chamber to BKC, that's where my office was. Rohan called me in the morning and said, I've done something that you won't like. And he'd essentially put out a post on Facebook saying, I'm so glad Nitin is quitting the company that I was in and joining me full time. And I've been fighting with him every day saying another month, another month, you know, I want to save up this much before I quit. And then he had done the dastardly act of actually tagging a lot of my friends and colleagues, including my boss. So I remember walking out of the lift and walking up to my room and across the line, all the cubicles folks looking at my face saying, yeh jara and that's exactly how. And my boss calls me immediately into his cubicle, into his cabin and says, listen, I think it's time for you to, because they knew we were working on something. He said, it looks like your, right. your co-founder is really asking you now to leave and you shouldn't put yeah. him in that place. And which was true. I was taking advantage at that point in time of him. And that was when I finally put in my papers. I gave right. my 10 business three months, a very senior position by then. An associate director right. I had a lot of responsibility. So they said, okay, give us the entire three months, but you can start doing a little bit of work of your own as well, because you're not joining another competitor. You're actually starting your own. And yes, but yeah, it took him to sort of really hammer it out. Of to me. push you actually into saying yeah, you yeah, need yeah. to do this yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, what I'm also liking about our conversation is the fact that I have taken the takeaway as one, you said, humility. If as entrepreneurs, you're humble and you have that humility in you to ask for help, you do get it. The other thing that I'm actually quite inspired and it's great to know is that the government actually was very supportive. We always land up thinking that the government departments will not help. But like you said, if you go to them and saying we have a problem, help us, guide us on how to solve it. It might take days, the process and the system can be a little daunting at that level. But having said that, it does. I like the fact that they came forward to help. Yes. And it was it was brilliant. I mean, I even now when we tell people, they say, you're just saying it. Absolutely not. Even now we make it a point to meet those people, even though they are no more in those roles anymore. They yes. keep changing their roles. Correct. We still make it a point to meet some of these people because the kind of support we got from them at that point in time, because they just found us for the lack of a better word, cute. I mean, who comes in when they could have just made another beer or just another wine, comes in saying, I want to do this. Correct. And for us, the intent was very clear, right? By making meads the way we saw it was you're not destroying the 
earth in any way. You're not asking a farmer to stop growing what he or she was growing and grow something that you wanted. You're not asking them to grow grape. You're not asking them to grow barley. Yes. You're letting the farmer yes. grow whatever they want. And you're asking them, you know, just put some bee boxes next to you. And you're improving the yield. The most important part with mead is because we use honey. Yes. We're telling the farmer, keep some boxes next to you. Your yield will improve. Huh. Your quality of your yield will improve. And most importantly, we'll give you a secondary source of income by buying your honey. So when we said these three things to all the powers that be in the government circles, they started to see value. They started to see that, you know, this may be something that may be cool. Correct. Uh, the only answer we never had was, why isn't anybody else doing it? And that's something that we unfortunately said, I don't know. Maybe it's a question of time. Yeah, we are hoping. <laughs> so we told people that you give us the permission and hopefully we'll find more people. Uh, and now, thankfully, we have about five meteries in India. But tell me a little bit more about the Moonshine's Honey Project and where do you guys actually source the honey from? Keeping our voices for local elements in mind, how do you guys actually truly enable the local communities and farmers? Sure. So for us, we consume a lot of honey. We consume anywhere between seven and at times on a, on a good month, even nine or ten tons of honey a month. Right? Wow. Uh, and uh, for us, we started by purchasing you know, 200 kilos, 300 kilos. And the honey for us, it comes from all over the country. So in India, we need to also understand that unlike the West, our weather changes quite a bit. It changes from being extremely hot to extremely cold. And it's impossible to do beekeeping in one place. You have to move. It's not in-situ beekeeping, it's migratory beekeeping. The beekeeper will move his boxes or her boxes from a favorable climate to the next most favorable climate, which means cutting across state borders. So the honey will come from multiple sources. It will come from Rajasthan, it will come from Maharashtra, it will come from Uttarakhand. A sizable volume comes from Uttarakhand for us because there the weather is almost kind of stable for a large part of the year. It gets extremely cold after a while. But it comes from northeast, it comes from extreme south as well. So for us, honey comes from all across and the way we initially, while we have one or two large folks who give us honey, large aggregators, they're amongst the largest in the country and the honey we get is US FDA approved. It comes with a stamp. A small chunk of honey also comes from these standalone beekeepers, right? So you have to understand these poor beekeepers don't have an avenue to sell the honey. If they're working with 200 kilos, 300 kilos. Now, if there is a specialized kind of honey they've got, for example, if they've got rosewood honey. When I say rosewood honey, it means bees pollinating rosewood plants for that period okay. of pollination. They don't know where to sell because somebody who buys that honey will not know how to package just 300 and go to market with it. Right. For us, what that gives us is an opportunity to tell them, you know what, give us that honey. We can turn that into mead. And by turning okay. it into mead, we, we add value to that person. Invariably, what he would do is he would blend it with uh, multifloral honey, standardize the taste a little more, at times do questionable quality changes to the honey and then sell it to a mass aggregator because the mass aggregator is looking for a standard look and feel for the taste. So here we have an opportunity to work with these smaller beekeepers and we know this largely because again my co-founder Rohan has done a course in beekeeping from the Central Bee Research and Training Institute in Pune. So because of that entire course we have a network of beekeepers who work around the country where we source from. So for example we've tried to source some honey from Palghar which is a region near Maharashtra. We are talking yes. to folks near Mahabaleshwar. We are talking to folks near Mudumalai forests. We are talking to folks in UP in certain belts. So there is honey available everywhere. And this just becomes a beautiful way to use it. And I think during the lockdown is when we had some honey with us. We, we, we have some in our stores. And uh, it costs us money. <laughs> and uh, we were wondering how to monetize it because cash flows were stuck. And we realized that we are in that enviable 
category of alcohol where you can put your raw material out for someone to taste. Correct. And that person can figure it out whether it's good or not. So Moonshine Project, project started there. It was just our way of telling consumers who we met on a regular basis that, hey, we use good honey. We knew there was a lot of storm around poor quality honey anyway. So this became a nice way to tell people that, try it. You don't have to scream it out loud. You can just taste the bottle. And that's how Moonshine Honey Project started. But where we are going to now is we are trying to work with small parcel owners around Pune to begin with because that's finally our home. We're trying to see whether we can work with small parcel owners of farms, let's say 10 acres, 12 acres, and see if we can put up some bee boxes there. Right. Because what bee boxes do is, like I said, increase the quality of the yield, improve the yield in general. And also what we tell them is we'll buy the honey if you get honey out of it. Only thing that we charge them is a fixed maintenance cost for the boxes because at the end of the day, it's very important for someone to look after these boxes. And that's sort of where Moonshine Honey Project is slowly moving to. What we are trying to now do is there's a village near Indapur, near Maharashtra, where we were talking to some of the local administration there to see how can we implement bee boxes and tell farmers to cut down pesticide use. So Moonshine Honey Project, while it started off as just showcasing honey, it has slowly and steadily sort of started taking on a slightly more umbrella-ish role, right. which is around sustainability and environment. Right. And I think one thing that we're consciously trying to do is buy honey from small beekeepers. I think that's really great. You're actually going down to the grassroots yeah. level and enabling them and giving them a source of income. Yes. So Moonshine has a series called The Meat Lab. Yes. Where you're constantly creating different kinds of handcrafted small batches of meats. Yes which are super interesting flavors like guava chili, chocolate orange, bourbon oak apple. Yes. So tell me, what is the R&D process like for all of this? How do you guys come up with these exotic sounding flavors? And what is the motivation? Where does the creativity come in from? Okay, let me put it this way, right? Within the business, we have a policy, which is whether you join accounts or you join sales or you join production, you have to come and make a batch. Now, why we do that is because one thing we all need to realize is we are all salespeople. We are all the time, all of us, whether you're from accounts or not, you will be selling the brand if you meet some friend of yours because you will end up talking about what you do because it's so unique. Absolutely. Right? So it's important for that person to understand how meat is made. And now what we then tell people is meat is versatile. And they say, what is versatile? We say, boss, you think of a spice, you think of a fruit, we can find a way to introduce that into the meat. And then the next question they say is, okay, so we say you will make a batch using ingredients that you want to cook. You could rummage your house kitchen and find something. You could go to the local mandi and buy something. You could think of the craziest stuff like peanut butter jelly and you can bring that, bring the flavor standard, bring some peanuts. We'll help you make a medium. And we start their batches, small batches, like one liter, two liter, just for trials. And we'll get them to sit down and make it. What it essentially ends up doing is, one, people start to realize that meat is versatile. It adds to the cell that they would do to their friends and family. But it also gives all of us an idea of what that ingredient that this XYZ person came from can do to a meat. And for us, like I said, meat is a very, very blank canvas. Like the versatility of nature can be packaged in a bottle. You dream it, we can make it. For example, I think when Nikhil Kini had come down to the meadery, Nikhil is a South Indian. Hmm. So Nikhil, we decided to make something using curry leaves just to play with hmm. him, right? And uh, we right. also created something with uh, pan leaves. And this was the first cut variant, right? It was, we just, we were also going through a leaf fetish. So we were playing around with different leaves. This just became right. two extensions. I was South Indian, so I was very happy to have a curry leaf meat. So we made that and we loved it. 
you know, this happened almost a year and a half back. And today we are trying to work on a mead using Pan, but we are also adding additional elements to it. And uh, for us, what you did a year and a half back goes into what we define the mead flavor Bible, right? So every fruit, every flower, every spice can actually be, you can write about how it would work with a mead. And then we find different connections with one with the other. And that is a constant process in the factory because somebody is making a new batch. Somebody thinks of a new batch, we come and try and put. We have actually made a peanut butter jelly meal. Really? How did it turn out? Oh, brilliant. Yeah? Brilliant. <laughs> it's just very painful to make it. But here's the thing, right? Painful today, you might just find an easier way to cook those peanuts and extract the oils before we use it some other day. But it gave us a baseline. We now know what it will taste like if right. you add peanuts to it. Now, tomorrow, we might just use a little bit of peanuts, but something else along with it. And a combination of two flavors will give you something absolutely crazy. And this is how our process, we have one person dedicated looking after just this. And we will keep cooking up new ideas and throwing it at the person. And because it's in the culture, the, there's a slack thread only for new product development. And everybody is allowed to add ideas to but it. But I think it's such a brilliant idea. I would love it as a customer if I was allowed to come and just play with, the, you know, different flavors. We allow people to do that. I think it's such a great marketing idea as well. <laughs> because you just enable your customers so much and empower them to come and say, hey, listen, we are giving you an opportunity to yeah. create something, a flavor that you would love. Yeah. And what if that flavor becomes, you know, a super hit? You just don't know yeah. where the creativity or the next big idea can actually come from. So that's exactly how it works. So we have at any point in time in the factory, three or four small ideas being tested to see how they would behave, work around it. And if something clicks... Then we try and make a slightly larger batch and we share it with friends and ask them, tell us what's the feedback. And if they like that, then we'll scale it up a little more and then we'll put a small batch. Let's see how consumers behave. And if they like it again, it scales up to a really large batch. It's a three, four step process. Sometimes some batches are so good, they just jump. Correct. But some of them go slow. So we are working on a hibiscus and ginger, right? We're using Roselle, which is a hibiscus version of the hibiscus flowers. The whole flowers, we don't use flavors. That's where the challenge for us is. We can't go and buy aroma and flavor from a shop. We need to go and pick up the fruit or the flower in bulk. So we picked up Roselle flowers, the whole flower that came in this massive size bag. And we use that, we use some ginger, and then we start putting it together and we start seeing what's coming out of it. And over time, it sort of morphs it into a nicer, 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 nicer liquid. Right now, we're playing with pan, like I said. So we have tried Magai, Banarasi, Kolkata. Yummy. All this sounds yummy. So different pan leaves. You're trying to see what happens when you use this pan leaf with a meat. I'm officially telling you on my podcast, Nitin, I'm ready to be your guinea pig. Come down. We have meat eaters <laughs> every Sunday. Drop by, we'll test it with you. I really look forward to because this sounds so exciting with all the flavors that you're mentioning. It sounds like really yummy to try out. You might like yeah. some, you might not like some. Some yeah. people have different palates. But I do feel that the fact that you can play with so much. Yeah. You know something we've been trying? We made something with beetroot. With beetroot? Beetroot and you know what we blended it with? Tell. Karela. <gasps> No, and it was nice. gorgeous. No, no, no. So I remember one of our colleagues called his mother up and said, you've been trying to make me have Karela for all these years. You never just made it like a meat. Because it had this halkasa bitterness that you get with an IPA. And the beetroot yeah. is just such a flavorful beverage. So the bitterness came in just a little bit at the end. But the rest of it, the color and the taste of beetroot, it was beautiful. So that's another experiment that we are doing right now. Wow. 
it's it, literally the world's oyster i mean you think it will make it. exactly that's exactly what i'm when i'm listening to you i feel there's just so much you can play with and go completely yep. wild in your thinking in your curation for different uh, flavors and i think that's again a very exciting part of the business yeah yeah now the two of you did go to shark tank and you rejected them very 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 important we i think the first few brands who said no to the sharks because we couldn't agree on a valuation right you guys recently raised 2 million dollars what is the plan how do you plan to use this money in taking your brand and increasing the brand footprint from india to international what are the plans like so yeah uh, broadly i would put it against three small sort of subheadings right so the first one is obviously uh, we've opened a bunch of new markets in uh, between august and december last year Uh, so the plan is that once this capital comes in, we will make deeper inroads into these markets. Some of these markets have been showing us a lot of love. For example, uh, Karnataka, right. uh, uh, Uttar Pradesh. So these are markets that we want to double down on. Uh, we know there is a discernible audience that is looking for a tasty beverage, and we are a nice, flavorful beverage. So that sits beautifully in that space. So some of these markets are where we will double down on, and maybe one or two more new markets we will touch. Okay. Mostly, okay. predominantly, North India, because I think that's where our presence has been the weakest. Uh, we are a very south-west-focused yes. brand still now, so time for us to come up north. No, I I do feel that North will be a great, great market. Yes. No, we are very confident about that. So yes. we might open one or two more markets up north, but I think a lot of focus will go into exporting because what we realized was meats abroad have always been high alcohol. Meats abroad have always been still honey forward. the category has been forced into this ultra boutique space and there's a need for it to be pulled out and made into a more mass sort of right. space so where we see onshine playing is we we just won a couple we won a bronze or silver at the international wines and spirits competition this is the oldest one that happens and we are amongst the only few of them in india who have actually won these awards that's and amazing i think the first few meat brands to ever win this award so for us it's a sort of sign that the brand has legs to cut across the subcontinent go to other parts of the world and we will focus excessively on the export market as well it sort of also marries to the fact that if the market really does slow down as they keep saying yes uh, this sort of diversification will at least ensure the business stays relatively stable no no absolutely so you will see us open some export markets and of course all this expansion means some expansion needs to happen at the plant so some yes. money is going to go into building out that space no but i think it's absolutely great because You know what you guys are doing really is uh, a one of a kind. B, you're enabling the local communities and the farmers, and uh, C, you're actually yeah. aiming to take an Indian product international. And I think that is very nice for an Indian brand if they can manage to do it. I think it's truly amazing as a feeling for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. On that note, if you were to name one Indian homegrown brand that we could feature in Voices for Local, who would that be, and why? I'll stay in the side of Alcobel. I think it's a tough market to crack, and for me, I have a lot of respect for what uh, Greater Than as a as a brand has done with gin. Right, gin was an unheard of category. It was starting to show sparks outside of India, and what Anand and team have managed to pull off is make it such a wonderful brand. I mean, everybody knows about it, and I think they're doing killer job with the brand. Yes, I mean, all of what they do. Anand is a very dear friend. but uh, more than anything else i think the way they have built the brand as a team is phenomenal and uh, that's a brand that i would otherwise i would have said sabko but then sabko i think nominated us yes sabko nominated you 
for me, the way I look at it is alcohol is not an easy play. And what GT or greater than has done is completely dominate the gin space. Right. Brands have come, brands have gone. A lot of brands have come. And in fact, it's ridiculous how one brand pops up every few months. Yes. But even then, greater than continues to go from strength to strength. So as a brand I admire and a brand I like. I'm a full gin drinker. So I would love to have them on I'm the show. I'm not a gin drinker. <laughs> I would, but Anand would make a great guy too. You know, I've had such a lovely time chatting with you, Nitin, because there's been so much of takeaway from this interview, not just about the product you guys do. That, yes, of course, but more than that, your journey as an entrepreneur, your ability to navigate the different challenges that came your way, your ability to give up with having all the responsibilities, a job and start as an entrepreneur. And, you know, I want my listeners to know that if you can do it and take a plunge, if they have a brilliant idea, I think so can they. Absolutely. If there's an idea that keeps you up late at night, do please it. go for it. Yes. I always tell people that please follow your passion and let's have a larger purpose to life. But on that note, thank you so much, Nitin. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Likewise. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for choosing to be a part of the show, Nitin, and wishing you all the best. To all my listeners, write in to me with your suggestions, names of brands that you would like to see get featured, and connect with me on my Instagram at Monisha Singhatyal. And please do follow at Voices for Local on Instagram to know more about your favorite local brands. Until next time, check out Moonshine Meadery and check out their amazing flavors. Happy drinking and happy shopping!